Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 in the Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever out here at Jim Patterson Stadium. And we're out here because baseball season officially starts tomorrow. And Adam Vrabel sits down with us here. This is your ninth year uh, here with, with Dan McDonald. We were just talking about Dan McDonald's been here 17 years. Yeah, it's crazy. You got this thing settled. Like, you got a way of doing things here now. How nice is it, uh, Adam, to sort of have, like, a, a culture and a way of doing things and everyone knows exactly what to do. And you sort of bring these new guys in. Like, no, y'all got to become us now. Yeah, no, it's uh, – <laughs> obviously that's that's really nice when you can show up to, to the office and to the field uh, for, for nine years and have that much camaraderie, that much – uh, obviously, within the coaching staff, where you had these guys together for a long time. Again, I, I, I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate every day I get to show up with this crew because, um, you know, these guys have been been in the game a lot longer than I have. And um, believe me, I don't take that for granted. Um, I, I love learning from these guys. I love coming to work every single day at this university. And uh, obviously, it's a joy for me to work with these with these athletes. I've always uh, enjoyed asking assistant coaches what. Like everyone knows, Dan McDonald is is a is a great coach. But what, in your opinion, kind of watching him work, what do you think makes him as successful as he is? Why is Dan McDonald a great coach? I, he communicates. He communicates with these players. Not not only just the players, just everybody that's that's in this program. Uh, he lets you know where it's at. Obviously, expectations, right? Obviously, his expectations. But it's it, it's more of this program, and that's the biggest thing: is putting the program first. The program expectations. Uh, and the standard that 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 is here uh, with this program, and um, just obviously pu- having everybody on that same that same level, and um, you know they that that's the one thing with with the coaching staff with uh, Coach Mack and Coach Snyder and Coach Williams, and and they're talking to these recruits. It's hey, you you want a part of this? You want to be involved in this? You want to be a part of it? It's going to be bigger than bigger than the coaching staff. It's going to be bigger than the student athletes that are here. Um, it's about winning that national championship, and and it's, it's once we start up tomorrow, we won't we won't talk about that. Um, but obviously, it's something that we're that we're shooting for. So, yeah, yeah. Going back to it, I just I really believe what helps out is communicating, uh, top to bottom, all the way throughout the throughout the program. Does that lend itself to him trusting a longtime assistant like you to delegate certain like? upholding the standards of that program because i feel like some guys who do it for this long yeah. they want to have their hand in everything but also a strong mark of a good coach is being able to delegate to well staff. what's what's nice about it too is that you know I'm, again i've been fortunate i mean i've been, i've sat next to him for for eight and a half years it's yeah. my ninth year is sitting next to him and you know it's I don't know 100% what's in between those years all of the time. Um, <laughs> I feel pretty confident that by this point. I know the expectations and, the, and what he wants and, and how he wants to, to go about it uh, that day. And um, I think that helps. Uh, I, I believe that helps, obviously, with trust. And um, like I said, it just, it's the accountability factor. I mean, we're all in this. We communicate together. We're all in this together for the expectation, the goal that we want uh, for this program. And like I mentioned before, it always goes, it always goes to the student-athletes. And these guys are coming in with, with personal goals and you know, expectations and things that they want to achieve, and we want to be a part of that. And along the way, that's, that's where we come in with player development and ultimately saying, hey, we want to win championships. 
We're talking with Adam Vrabel. He is the first base coach. He's been entering his ninth year here uh, with Louisville. Work a lot hitting uh, with this team. There have been teams, I think, over Dan's long tenure here where they've uh, they've gotten enough hitting and been extremely good pitching. You've had some teams where you could really everybody could hit the hell out of the ball. What, what you feel like you've got going into this year? You feel like, is this going to be one where you sort of have to this is going to be manufacture a fun one. or what? Yeah, this is going to be a fun one um, because I think we can do a little bit of everything. Um, this is a very, very talented group. Um, this is a very versatile group. Um, top to bottom, we talk about depth in this program. And, again, with Coach Snyder, again, a guy I've been working with for eight and a half years, uh, enjoyed every single day, showing up the yard with him. Um, at the end of the day, hey, guys, there's going to be nine guys in that lineup. And don't take it personally, but we, we don't really care who it is. All we want is when, hey, that bus pulls up and you get your opportunity and your chance that you're ready to go. It's my job and Coach Snyder's job to have you ready to go when you walk in and get in the box. And um, like I said, this this is going to take some time, of course, as it does 56 game schedule, and a lot of things can happen. Uh, a lot of things do, they do happen, and um, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be fun because, like I said, it's going to be there's going to be some from top to bottom just the depth and the versatility from speed and some power some guys that uh, were were in the program last year but unfortunately had injury hmm. um, some new guys coming in uh, returners who who have improved in in several areas obviously to help them be more well rounded so again I'm I am I'm excited I'm happy for these guys um, like I said I know we're we're happy to be a part of it. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what this, uh, what this offensive group is going to be able to do on the field. When you talk about those returners, Jack is a, immediately one of the guys who comes to mind who figures to be a big bat in this lineup. He, he splits time with Dalton last year as a catcher, and you, you got to find that balance of, like, okay, some days I'm behind the plate, some days I'm a DH. What do you think that adjustment is like for him this year to, to take over that role in a more full-time basis while still getting the occasional spell? Yeah, yeah, and, he, you know, he was in that spot when he got here as a freshman as well, you know, yeah. and I, th that's the one thing I, I do love. I mean, we'll play a lot of guys, and it, that, that's how you gain experience, and that's how you gain, you know, trust within within the program and obviously within the dugout and then being in the lineup. So, you know, I just – it's – Hey, it's another year. You you're, you've moved up into that junior role. Uh, we have two young guys behind you. Uh, you had somebody help you show you the way, right. uh, and it's that's kind of that. Not necessarily you're passing the torch because you're still there and you're still playing. But you know, it's all right. Hey, I've had people pour into me and help me out, and in mm. turn, that's that's going to be my that's going to be my expectation and my job. So, yeah. Um, you know, and again, you're talking about guys that can move up and down in a lineup. You know, that's what's going to be interesting because, again, what tomorrow's lineup's going to look like may not be what Saturday and Sunday and right. in a week and two weeks and all the way in a month. And then you start talking ACC play. But I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that's that's the excitement from a coaching as a coaching staff. Just again, I, I speak for myself that. Yeah, this is gonna be, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun, and um, th these guys are ready. You know, I've been, we've been working with these guys <laughs> since uh, they got back in in the first semester in fall, so um, they're ready to go. Yeah. You brought in a couple of JUCO guys, and typically you bring in some JUCOs. You're looking for immediate impact, mm -hmm. uh, you know, help from those guys. What do you, what do you feel like you're working with with those two? Where do they fit in? Both left-handed bats. Um, you know, you're going to have some speed and some versatility in the outfield uh, with Haven Mangrum, and then you know with Ryan McCoy coming as a as a more of a power bat at first base. Um, but the both of those guys have gotten better since day one. They've gotten here, you know, and that's the big thing. When you got guys that come in, junior college guys that come in, you know, and both of these guys did it. All they want to do is get better, and, and that's what we've asked of those guys. And that's what they've that's what they've done. They put themselves in a really good position, uh, one day away from from opening pitch. So, uh, yeah, again, two guys that'll come in, and you know, excited for them, uh, and we'll see where their role takes them. But obviously, they're going to be leaned upon um, right away. So this has been formulating in my head all day with opening day coming tomorrow. Do you have a favorite? opening day tradition or anything that that you take or part in not even, or something. not even like as a coach but just as like a fan even when the mlb opening day comes around i i i actually do not <laughs> uh i really don't um i think it's more of like a week in advance 
that you're like, oh my gosh, hey, a week away, like here we go. We're gonna play, right? And here we go. Yeah, we got a week away, and then it's like, okay, hey, here we are. Like now we're ready to rock and roll. I actually don't. I, I know some people. You don't out like there sneak might, a hot dog no, in the dugout or something. No, like that. not no. I, but you know what? I do notice that when I'm in first base, I'll kind of look around because that's kind of part of it. I'm kind of looking around to see what's what what everybody has and what's cooking. I do, I do. I hey, I, my sense of smell is really good. So I mean, I, I do, I do. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I smell that. I smell the food. I'm like, oh, that, that that smells pretty good, especially with with early in the season. Our games are starting at three and yeah. one yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, kind of gets to the tail end of the game. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, 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 I get those. You. I get those smells all the way in the first base. I'll be box, doing the so. same thing. <laughs> Which one of you is the get back coach? You know, like football, somebody always somebody's got to hold the head coach back a little bit. Which yeah, one of you I, in the dugout's got to be the McDonald holdback coach? Uh, you know what? I guess it's uh, really it's me. Uh, I'm right there. <laughs> you know, um, I kind of. I stand right beside him, so he's he's pretty good down there. I'm gonna That's be good. I'll be honest. He, he's he's really good down there. Um, but again, like I said, he's just a he coaches. And again, it, it as a young guy, I say the youngest guy. I, I mean, it bleeds. It goes right into me, you know. And I, I picked that up from from these guys on the coaching staff. So they've helped me out tremendously. Can you tell if he's gonna get ejected like before? Like, oh man, this no, is really I, gonna piss Dan off. No, this you know coming. what I. I since I've been here, I think it's only been one time. Yeah, he's not like a high temperature. It's not like Hoosiers yeah. either. Where he's no, like, yeah. throw me out of the game. Yeah. No, yeah. I will say this. No, he, he does a really good job. He'll, he'll he gets his point across, and then <laughs> and then it's all right. It, it, there we go. I got my point across. That's all you need. <laughs> Any uh, new faces that maybe the, the fans haven't seen or we didn't get a chance to maybe see last year uh, that that people should be excited to be on the lookout for this year. You know what? I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think, and I don't want to obviously forget anybody, but, you know, you got guys who, who were in the program last year, maybe with an injury. You know, I think right away just working with a guy, Willie Cook is, is a name, you know, uh, a left-handed bat at first base and really came in. He, versatility, we're talking about, he came in, was middle infielder like in high school and that, but more of a corner guy for us, playing some first and some third. Um, you know, he had a shoulder injury last year, so coming back from that, so – of course, he's one guy. Eddie King um, has a foot injury. Yeah, redshirted yeah. last year as well. Had a foot injury. Goes off and has a really nice summer. Comes back. Um, kind of puts himself right into that mix right away. So, you know, there's a, there's a couple of guys right there that, you know, and again, you're even talking about some young guys that, that got some innings and some, some playing time last year that, hey, and this is what we seem to, these guys walk out the door and it's like, all right, next guy, here we go. Well, talking along the kind of those same lines, I know Drew uh, talked with with Dan himself this morning a little bit about just how the luxury of having so many guys who've gone on to be successful, make it to the major leagues, and not only make it but like be good, and sort of being able to either have those guys around and be supportive, or to at least be able to hold them up uh, as as examples and, and sort of challenge guys to sort yeah. of aspire to that. How how well, how much, how often do you guys use that sort of thing with well, the current guys? I, I, you know, I say we we would. And it starts off as we were looking outside. I mean, we were looking at the All-American yeah. wall, you know. And, you know, to, to do something special, you got to be able to do something, obviously, on and off the field. This is not like the magic sauce. You just show up and here I am. And yeah. so, you know, I think it, it really does. It starts from day one when these when these new guys arrive uh, in, in the, that end of the summertime when we get them right into class and get them right into the weight room. I mean, I think, that's where I think it's right away, right yeah. out of the chute. We set the tone with these guys early. Um, and once once our returners come back, it's like, here we go. You know, they're ready. To, they're right in it. But yeah, to talk about guys, and we just had that lean off dinner with yeah. with with Drew and and uh, with Reed. And again, those guys, same thing. Talented players, no doubt. Talented players, but they come in and they learn to work right away. And we we use previous guys in the years with those guys and kind of talk about those guys because they're the ones who built this you know they, they built this program and um so yeah you know you, you you constantly do that i mean again i've been here for this is my ninth year and i'm i'm still talking about the guys in the first year with the logan taylors and the colin sure. lyman's and the Corey rays and the i mean it, it, and it goes and again i'm using those guys so heck even those guys pop out for a practice like man i want those guys to talk because they've done it they've played here yeah. you know they they're out there in right and center field. They know how the wind works early in the year compared to late in the year with the sun. So there's a lot of different things that, that they can help us out with. So, yeah, I, I do. I lean, I, lean on those, I lean on those older guys and talking to the, about those guys in the past. You, you've kind of 
talked a little bit about like the standard that's been set here and you've seen it for a long time i feel like the theme of last season so much was like resetting that standard mm -hmm. after missing the tournament but now you guys are back in a more familiar spot like i think most polls have you guys in the top 15 you're picked to win the acc do you feel differently going into this year with like a different mindset of like okay we got back to where we're used to being now it's time to take that other step forward well, I, I, i'll say this you know I, before I got here, right? You know, they, the, before I got here, you had it in thirteen and fourteen with the with the College World Series, right? So, yeah. um, you know, and then coming in, and my first year was in that fifteen. Um, yes, I would say, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, obviously it hurt last year, but yep. the, you know, our two years ago, right? Obviously, and um, kind of resetting that standard, but more, it's not about being comfortable. You know, you got to show up in each and every day. And yeah, yeah, last year was a little uncharted waters, um, but it's okay. I mean, you look at you look at how our guys took that. You know, I'll talk about the coaching, but really, it's in that locker room. I thought that was a really, really close group. They decided what they were going to do. They decided where this program was going to where it was going to go, and they got it back. And that's going to be the message to this group. Hey, man. Put your head down, show up in each and every – keep this thing simple. Keep it simple because, yeah, we haven't even played a game yet and they want to talk about in the future. So yeah. let's just let's just take one day at a time, one week at a time, but one game at a time and just get better each and every day with it. Keep it simple. Yep. Adam, thank you so much. Adam Vrabel for sitting down with us, man. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thank right. you guys Enjoy for having it. us. All right, Adam Vrabel, first base coach. Again, entering ninth uh, year here with Louisville Baseball, which starts tomorrow. Uh, here, out here at uh, Jim Patterson Stadium. Thanks again, Adam. We appreciate it. Thank you guys All right. very much. Tyler, I'll let you uh, take the old headset back yeah, there uh, from Adam. Uh, again, Thank first you. pitch tomorrow uh, will be on 970 at 3 o'clock. First pitch on Saturday at 1 o'clock. That'll be on 93.9. And then Sunday again, 1 o'clock on, uh, on 970 uh, as well. Adam Vrabel, appreciate him sitting down uh, with us. The message is, all, is, is the same. Yeah. Kind of across. Uh, yeah, but listen, uh, you. I know you're showing up. You're, you, you think you're hot stuff, but... Um, we're all hot stuff. So oh, get to I mean, work. Yeah, it's an adjustment. <laughs> I think everybody's got to go through uh, when you reach like the the D one level of competing, uh, especially when you get to a program that has kind of separated itself as a whole uh, as one of the elite ones in the country. It's like, oh, great, you you accomplish this, this, and this. Well, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, this one in front of you, yeah, they all did that, and in a lot of cases, they did more. Um, but it, it, you know, I think honestly, in our job, we we get, I think, a little tired of hearing some of the same messaging of like consistency and showing up day in and day out with that kind of attitude. But I also don't think it's a coincidence that whenever we talk to guys who have been involved in successful programs like that, that that is what they bring up because you have to have that to be able to sustain winning and expectations and, and everything that goes with it. Um, and that's something that this program got used to for a while. They got off track for a year with it, and now you get it back. The way you keep it is by doing all the things that have made Dan and this staff as successful as they've been over 17 years. And good for Adam, by the way, with the rules changes now, being able to have a third-grade yeah. assistant uh, has been a, you know, a labor of love of his, but now uh, I think uh, able to be compensated at least some uh, which I think he is more uh, than deserving. I did want to call your attention uh, to a story uh, that uh, is in the Courier. That was, I mean, just put in the Courier. Joe Sanka posted this. I'm talking less than an hour ago. Uh, you know, the legislature has a way of uh, acting like they've tackled all the the the, the most important issues. Yeah. Uh, so we can move on to to things that seem more like um, hobbies for you. Uh, a Kentucky legislator in the Courier again, Joe Sanka. A Kentucky legislator legislator filed a bill Thursday to prohibit state universities from giving lifetime contracts to employees, citing the contract of University of Kentucky men's basketball coach John Calipari. Quote: The primary motivation, obviously, there's a basketball coach in this state that has a lifetime contract. Said. Representative Patrick Flannery, Republican from Olive Hill. My goodness. I think we probably know who we're talking about. House Bill 336 of Flannery does not specifically mention Calipari, but it amends state law to say that the governing boards of Kentucky's post-secondary institutions are prohibited from entering into any contract for lifetime employment. 
In 2019, Calipari signed what has been called a lifetime contract, allowing him to transition into an ambassador role with the uh, with a million-dollar contract after he retires from coaching. They're obviously, this year is not going well. Not very... Uh, not uh, it hasn't been uh, particularly popular that he's had that. Yeah. He's, uh, Flannery says, "quote A lot of things can happen. The employer-employee situation may just not work eventually. I really think it's probably the best public policy to not allow that." Only in Kentucky, man. Yeah, I I continue truly thinking long term here. Uh, I continue to think how shocking it is, how unthinkable it would be that we would have this considering how it went basically the first half of his tenure. Yeah. He was untouchable. And, I mean, look, I think he earned that status with the success that he had, not only just on the recruiting trail, but the the winning that they were doing. Like, you know, Kentucky became the face for the quote-unquote one-and-done thing and and – had a lot of success in not only getting elite talent, but producing elite talent and getting it to the NBA as high-profile guys. So, you know, right now, look, just, just to, to cover all bases here, last night they had to win. They had to get that one. It was, I do think it was gutsy. You're missing uh, Severe Wheeler and C.J. Frederick, and Jacob Toppin got hurt last night. Oscar had four fouls. And you're on the road against a, a Mississippi State team that's better than people thought it was going to be. Yeah. And Kentucky put itself in the position to where they can't afford really almost any loss at this point. But they absolutely can't afford any more bad losses. But what's worked out for them is that they have plenty of opportunities for quality wins here. I mean, they get Tennessee coming up at Rupp. That's going to be huge for them. Let me tell you what I'm not a fan of at all. A pissed-off fanboy legislator deciding, I'm going to use the freaking law to mandate my way of doing things were I to be the athletic director at a school. Yeah. I don't want any of them to get a taste for this. Yeah. This is the worst stupid idea ever. And you were in the state of Mississippi where they have something sort of like this. You are not allowed to give any coach in Mississippi longer than a four-year contract. Yep. Ever. Yep. And it creates the stupidest situation where every single year you have to sign a new extension so that you have four years of a contract. It's the dumbest thing. I, I just – because it's very easy for me to figure out and, and, and envision, especially if specific people were to become governor. Legislators out in the state just trying to meddle. Yeah. It's not their job to be doing this. No, it's not at all. It's. I mean, even going on a wider scope of, of things, looking beyond Kentucky, it's. I think. Uh, didn't I see? I think I saw something recently that Tommy Tuberville was like trying to, write some NIL legislation or something like that. I, I need to look it up again. But, guys, I, I don't need, I don't need Congress and I don't need, any of them involved, in this stuff. Uh, I would say the only place where I could see it sort of lending itself here is that the NCAA is getting its butt kicked in court on the definition of amateurism as a whole. But that's gone far beyond a a congressperson level. That's at, like, you know, the higher courts really hammering them on that and, and showing that, hey, yeah, this whole thing you've been doing, they're employees. You've tried to not call them that, but they are, and here's why you're wrong. Um I could see it there, but as a whole, like if if a congressperson cell is going to be something like this, then yeah, nope, two down on that one. Don't you know? But only in a place like like Kentucky, because this where where people care about it enough. Uh, all of the issues happen. facing people in this state, yeah, that's, saving Mitch Barnhart from himself, it, it needs to be pretty low on the list. Yeah, come on, guys. Yeah, agreed. Give me, I mean, golly, man, it's. It's not like this. Like there's an epidemic of these things. No. One guy that you don't like has one, mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're going to make them illegal. And it's not even an actual lifetime contract. Twenty bucks to whoever asked Cal about it after in post game coming up. I'll pay myself twenty dollars. I was gonna say, Tyler, do you have the authority to do that yourself? I, I'm not gonna be there on Saturday, so no, I won't be there for it. But somebody could do it. Jack Russman would do it. 
<laughs> I'll never forget that. Man. I love that man. I'll never. Well, we'll see how long Cal's post game lasts. I don't know. They're not. They're hey, not, they're not running. He too. did like seven and a half minutes oh, did last he? night. Well, that's good. He he is the most demanding radio show of all time. I'll say that. <laughs> I gotta go do this radio, dude. Nobody's demanding you to go do that radio. You're just using it as a way out. I'm not even saying that as like a hater or anything. I'm just calling it out. Is that that's what these that's what these guys do? He's not unique in that by any means. But yeah, it's not a coincidence that the radio show is so demanding most of the time. I'll just leave it at that. If I was Mitch Barner, I'd be furious. Yeah, I would. Of course. Yeah. He'll we'll get another news conference talking about uh what what was his uh being grateful. That's what that's what his big thing was. Back when the whole If I was Mitch Barner, I'd be like, sure we can pass that thing was happening. You pass that right after you pass term limits. Yeah, exactly. Won't happen. Of course it won't happen. (laughs) Also, shut up already. I don't need y'all to save Kentucky from themselves. I want this lifetime contract to last forever. How Could soon until Stoops gets the lifetime contract? I don't know. I don't know. So, didn't uh, Mitch Barnard loves Mark Stoops, man? Uh, did one of the one of the Kentucky football players brought that back up recently? The whole football and basketball school thing. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's always going to be a, just a little little knife in the in the side there. For like the whole Stoops versus Calberry discussion, like that's never gonna die off. Whatsoever. Not as, not as long as those two are both there. No, I, I mean I can't, I can't really blame them, especially if Kentucky like look, yeah, Kentucky might make the tournament, but no Kentucky fan is gonna sit here and tell you that like this season is a success by oh god no any means, even if they find a way to make the tournament, they no, should have never. Just not, I don't need anyone never to been... fix this. It's fine, just like it is. <laughs> Spend that money. Yeah. It's going well. Shut up already, dude. <laughs> Pass a real law. Solve a real problem. Legalize gambling. Yeah. Please. Oh, my goodness. All right. I, I work right by with the where the Derby City Gaming is getting built, and I look at it all the time at that construction, and I'm like, if sports gambling was ever legal, that is a downtown hotspot right there. Right there. Off the, the Galt House, and, oh, man, it'd be great. Let's take a, uh, a quick break here. Uh, we will come back. We'll put a bow on this one out here at Jim Patterson Stadium ahead of tomorrow's opening day for Louisville baseball on the drive on the Thunderville. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, Come on, muscle through it. But then also say, Hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start, before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Tyler Griever. Welcome back into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Tyler Griever here. We've been uh, primarily reacting to Louisville and Virginia uh, from last night. And if you've still got any thoughts uh, by this point, please uh, fire away. 8150 I've enjoyed being out here at Jim Patterson Stadium, ready for baseball season to start. Uh, yep. Excited about a, you know an, another team, a little preseason kind of consensus top 10, uh, a lot to work with. Appreciate uh, the guys uh, working with us and joining us here both today uh, and or with us and earlier uh, with Diener. Uh, we love making them a priority, and they do the same for us. We appreciate that. Uh, Steven does a great job making sure uh, that that goes smoothly. Uh, I did want to ask you, because I know we care about this because of the Lamar Jackson angle, but then also you are a Ravens fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I, – I did like a literal guffaw. Like just, just I almost physically reacted to I look at Todd McShay's last mock draft yeah. and has the Ravens drafting a running back oh. at 19, Is John Robinson yep. from Texas, yep, yep, at yep. 19. And I thought to myself, I will – Yep. I will forsake them if they do that. 
And I thought, what is he doing? And then I could not help but laugh at the fact that that Mel Kuyper, who is a Ravens fan yeah, and lives Bal- in Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore guy, yeah. Right, and then they really cut his teeth being kind of a, a Ravens draft guy and then became kind of a draft guy. Right. Said, I will quit if the Ravens draft B. John Robinson. <laughs> which is fast, you know, kind of funny because, one, he's a Ravens fan. But, two, like, that's your – that's like your – Coworker, yeah, it's your it'd be guy. like me saying I'll quit if Drew says something that's they right. They do have some like pretty spirited back and do they? forth, though. Yeah, when it comes to draft season, uh, yeah. So official stance, uh, no. All respect to John Robinson, who was phenomenal. Um, I did not think that's where you were going with that. I thought you were going to go with the uh, the Jonathan Jones report about the Ravens not involving Lamar in the offensive coordinator process, and then. Our guy Jeff, Jeff Zrebic chimed in and said, "Well, I've been told that they made every, like they made every opportunity possible for him to be involved with it." But Josina Anderson said he was involved. Yeah, we're getting a lot of different. So, you know what's funny is I was looking at that, and I didn't even look at it as a fan. I looked at it as a reporter. I'm like, "All right, whose camp's leaking what?" In all of these different reports, because that's important. Uh, I think a lot of this could come from coordinators who didn't get the job at times, and they'll talk to you about what the process was like. Uh, from Zrebic's perspective, he has the best team relationships of anybody we're talking about uh, here, so I'm sure he's getting a lot more team perspective in that. Uh, and then where you know Lamar's camp pretty famously on this is not great about leaking stuff, so uh, which I think has made this situation – as unique as any I can remember because usually you can bank if a player has an agent on getting that point of view from yes, the agent. absolutely. But you can't do that here uh, unless somebody's got a direct line to, to Lamar, uh, Lamar's mama in this. I don't think they do. So that's what makes all of these reports so interesting to me because I, I immediately start to go like, all right, where's that coming from? Because the context of that frames a lot of this better. For me and how it's going to go. Um, I don't know where it goes. It's such a mystery to me at, at this point. Um, I know where I want it to go, but I, I would not be at all surprised if he plays on the tag this year and they keep trying to work it out. Uh, you know, I always say follow Jeff because I think Jeff does Jeff Drevick from the athletic who covers the Ravens. Jeff's very interactive with people who have questions about situations, and he's always pretty upfront about separating his opinion from his reporting on some things, especially with this situation. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that guaranteed money thing is, is a hang-up. You know, the Watson deal didn't help with all of that. And I think Lamar views himself as worthy of, of a Deshaun Watson type of guaranteed deal. But to play devil's advocate on that, and you guys know I'm a big Lamar guy, the other quarterback contracts that have come since that don't compare. Yeah. Like, and Lamar's different than those guys. I think he's better than those guys. But I'm not going to be surprised if at the end of all of this, the Browns, which they often do, look pretty dumb yeah. for giving Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. Yeah, I think that what you're seeing is every, Lamar's the one holding out saying, that's a deal. I want one like that. Right. And every, just about it, like even agents and, and other players saying, like, okay, no one else is getting that. This was about the Browns being desperate to convince someone oh, sure. to go there, not yeah. about where the market itself is going. And that's a tough pill to probably – I mean, if Mahomes and Josh Allen don't get a deal like that – Well, remember, the Chiefs and Mahomes got theirs done early, and they were really smart for doing that because that deal looks better every day especially as the salary cap will increase yes it looks a lot better every single day um you know lamar's not unique like the chargers and herbert will gotta have to work out a deal and burrow yep burrow will be another one i can tell you right now the number one party in all of this who does not want lamar to get a deal like deshaun watson is the cincinnati Bengals. oh yeah absolutely especially their history as well and right you know it's not like that ownership has exactly been lucrative in terms of their spending. They've been pretty cheap in a variety of ways. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think what I like to always take a bigger picture look on this, especially with the NFL and the things that we're going to be talking about for the next five to ten years. 
this is exactly what we're going to be viewing in a larger context now of like, all right, there are generational talents who come in at quarterback and you got to pay them whatever it takes to keep them. But you also have to view it in the scope of how much is this going to cost us in traditional team building? Like, are we going to be able to spend in other spots? Are we going to be able to invest at some other premium positions or not? And it's a fascinating discussion because, frankly, like, I'm of the camp of, like, I absolutely want to pay Lamar Jackson as much money as possible to be the Ravens quarterback. But you're talking about a franchise that does, that hates giving up draft picks, that doesn't like giving extremely lucrative contracts to really anybody. On offense. On offense, <laughs> yes. Uh, but even some of the defensive guys they've let walk over the years who got more lucrative deals elsewhere. This has come up. It's a fascinating situation because, and the Ravens famously don't leak a whole lot. They're pretty good about that. Uh, so it, it's a it's a crash course, and we're talking about a team that like picked two Super Bowls, won by a team where you're like, Man, I don't really love the quarterback who won that one. The Ravens own them. Even with how well Joe played. I'll, I'll Look, I won't fight on a lot of things, but if you guys want to line up as callers and tell me the Ravens defense won them the Super Bowl in 2012, man, I'll go, I'll go all day on it because they didn't. They didn't win the Super Bowl because, I don't know how we're on this, but I guess I'm just feeling it. They didn't win the Super Bowl because Ray Lewis was retiring and they wanted to give him a last ride. They won the Super Bowl because Joe Flacco threw 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, and balled the hell out for that entire month run they went on. They won the Super Bowl because Anquan Bolden was mossing dudes no matter where they were at, and that the offensive line solidified to protect Flacco during that run as well. Um, So it's a unique player, and it's a unique organization in a unique time for the NFL and how we're viewing these contracts. And it's not going to... I have zero clue where it's all going. I spent all this time talking, and I have no inclination as to where I think it's going to go. 81-50-93-9. That's uh, the number if you would like to get in here. 38-31-93-94. The UPS jobs text on kiss up that way. Texture says, I love Lamar, but do you think he's worth a Watson size deal? Watson should have never gotten that. But still, is Lamar worth that much cap? I mean, I think that's what the Ravens are, are saying. Let's ask this. Is any player... That's it. I, I think is any player in the league worth two hundred and thirty million dollars? Watson guaranteed? isn't. If no one gets dis, uh, like, it's not like you can look at it and say like no one else in the league has a guaranteed contract fully like like Watson does, except for Watson. It's not like you look at it and say, well, he's clearly the best player. Because I'm I'm going to say this, and I say I this, bet you owners are furious at the Browns. Oh, I they hate him for that. Everybody was. I love Lamar Jackson. I think that he is a phenomenal talent, phenomenal. But there's one guy in the league, who warrants a blank check. One. And it's the guy who just won MVP and Super Bowl MVP. He is the only guy in the NFL who could walk into any front office in the league and say, I want this, and have the argument to back if it If Mahomes up. held out, would he get that? Yes. I think so, too. Because, you know why? He's, he's done it. Like, I, I don't say I am not a hyperbolic person by any means. You look at Patrick Mahomes' numbers so far in this early stage in his career, he, he could retire today, and he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Not an exaggeration. He is. He's the only guy in the league who has produced and won with his team to the point where he could say, I want this and you're going to pay me it. He's the only guy. Like, it's him and everybody else. There's a lot of great young quarterbacks in the NFL. We're actually spoiled right now with how many good ones we have. But they're all battling to be number two. They ain't battling to be number one. And that's just the cold reality of it, especially after how this year went. Like, that that's the exclamation point. for, for As annoying as – and trust me, I'm a little annoyed by the Chiefs this week too. I get it. Like, Juju, his whole thing, Gee, that was tired stupid. Of them. And they're like all these other teams, though. Guys, every team thinks they were disrespected at some point. I don't know. Do they really? I do. I, I think athletes and coaches find – the one person in the media who had a, a contrarian take, and they run with it. And that's, that's the only guy that ever said anything, the, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's what they do. you got to find a motivating factor, and they love that. They love it. I hate it, but they love it.
Yeah, rebuilding year. This is what it looks like in Kansas City. Guys, you were still one of the favorite teams to win the whole thing. You will be as long as 15 suits up. Bottom line. they Nobody will ever say the Chiefs don't have a shot as long as he's playing. It's a great place because to be. Because they will have a shot as long as he's playing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's they will. <laughs> he's exactly that good, right. man. Uh, he's that good. I hate to be that, but he is that good. I watched it in person for a little bit. I've, I've watched it from afar. He is absolutely that good. One of the best we'll ever see. Oh, I, I think you're 100% right. I thought what was fascinating about the Super Bowl was the contrast of it kind of didn't matter who you put around Mahomes uh, as long as it wasn't below baseline. Right. Because the Bucks Super Bowl proved, like, if, if you can't block for him at all, he will die. But other than and that, will. as long yeah. as you've got the basics, yep. you're good. Yep. He will make Juju Smith-Schuster and – Marcos Valdez-Scantling. And it wasn't a great receiving court. No, not at all. I mean, Kelsey, look, I think Kelsey, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I still think Kelsey's underrated all time. Underappreciated. He is a hell of a player. Yeah. He. Everybody thought when they lost Tyreek, and it still was a big loss, that, like, that's the key to the Chiefs. No, 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 no. The key to the Chiefs outside of Mahomes is 87 because he knows he can go to Kelsey on big third downs. He knows he can go to Kelsey to get open in spots where you don't think anybody can get open. He's the valve for him, and their bond is huge for that team. Uh, it's why I don't think they'll – everybody's got a price that they won't pay at some point. Yeah. Like, like I, And I think that's what happened with Tyreek. He wanted to be paid as one of the top guys in the league, and the Chiefs were like, we love you, but no, we're going to get – a pretty big package for you, and they look better for that. It worked out for everybody. Nobody wants to admit that, but Tyreek had a huge year. Huge year. And got paid a lot of money to do it. He seems fine. The Chiefs are fine. Nobody wants to accept that. we got to think there's got to be a loser, but it all worked out for everybody. I would, I would hope that Lamar will accept less than the Deshaun Watson deal without losing face. But... Uh, it's hard to not feel like the the Ravens don't want to commit big money to him. I would fight that in this sense. I think they're willing to commit big money to him. I don't think they're willing to commit that money to him. Like, he can still be... And look, I, I base this off of the reporting I read from the, the sources that I trust. I mean, Trevick said multiple times the Ravens are willing to make him a top three paid guy in the league. And on like a front-loaded deal where you get a majority of it up front, it's just not Watson's contract. Uh, but I also see this from Lamar's point of view where like Lamar has spent his entire playing career proving to people that he's something that they think he's not. So I get it from him, his mother's perspective, his camp's perspective of like, here it is again, man. They don't want to give you this because they don't think, and like they take it that way. I totally understand that, and I empathize with that. Um, but sooner or later, there's going to be a rub between the two sides that has to happen. Where again, I say the Ravens love draft picks. I'm not kidding you on that. If somebody comes to Baltimore and says, "Look, we're going to give you like five first rounders or three first rounders and two second rounders," they might take that deal. I'm not going to say I'm going to love it, but I can see it happening because I know how much they love draft picks, and they they're like sacraments to them seriously <laughs> by the way you'll love this Tyler. texter says mark i know you say you struggle with players numbers when tyler said as long as 15 suits ups he means mahomes <laughs> <laughs> and you know what i didn't know that was his number oh my god but i knew you meant him that's funny. but 15 i was like yeah okay that's fine if you told me his number is actually 17 I, I don't know probably the most popular <laughs> i, yeah, I don't know. know what my problem he's probably is. the most popular jersey in the week the, the only other I know, the only other number I know for certain was that John Elway was seven, because when I was a kid I had a John. What number Elway did Brady wear? Twelve. Okay, that's oh, that's like a brand name. You know what I mean? But that's not because I can envision him with a twelve on. I just know TV twelve. Who's the most iconic player that you don't know what number they wore for majority of their career? Steph Curry. I don't know who he is. You don't know what Steph Curry wears? <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you oh know what MJ God. wore at least? I do know yeah, that. You know one. MJ. Yeah, I, Steph Curry wears number thirty. Sure. I believe you. I mean, Mark, I you could have said number 65. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you were lying, I would not know. I mean, Mark, try you another didn't know one. what Hancock's number was, and you co-host with him for no, years. No, I, I know Luke's. Actually, Luke texted me earlier when I said that. He's like, you better know what my number was. I was like, I, got, I know <laughs> Luke's. I know well. Luke's. But, like, I, I just, I don't, it doesn't 
I don't know what it is, but I don't do it. I I, I, I remember players. I think by Emmett numbers. Smith was twenty two. Yes, he was. Yeah. I remember players so much by numbers that, like, so many of my passwords, if you guys ever want to hack me, probably have a 52 somewhere in there. <laughs> For Ray Lewis, I'm so serious. So many 52s. I think Warren Sapp was 99. He was. Okay. <laughs> what do you know? Because I'm a nerd. This is okay. what I do. It just doesn't it I doesn't could go on Pro stay. Football Reference for three hours if I wanted to. Yeah. Or Wikipedia. My brother could do it all was 74. Day. I remember that. Mm-hmm. What number did Brad Johnson wear when they won the Super Bowl? 14. Don't know. 14. Not a chance that I know. Yep. It was 14. <laughs> I know it. Stupid that I know it, but I know it. What's Jalen Hurts number? One. <laughs> okay. I could tell you what Edwin Muliatalo's number was <laughs> playing left Danny guard. Danny was number seven. I remember that. Muliatalo was 64 for the Ravens as a left guard. I mean, I was that kid. It's terrible, I man. Deion it. Sanders, I don't know. Dover wore number eight. Whatever. Yeah. Wore number care. eight. Just telling you. Peter Bowler, 58. Saragusa, 98. Sam Adams, 95. God, that 30 I can't 30. do that it. That 30 for 30 was so good. I I'm so happy it. with hey, it. Hey, Mark, what number did Gronkowski wear? Don't know. 87. 87. <laughs> okay. Okay. Occasionally. But, you know, it's not automatic. And, I and I look, I, I should probably get, like, an examination or something. I don't know what it is. I don't see their numbers. It doesn't, yeah. rem- it doesn't stick. It doesn't help. Unless it's, like, part of, like, a larger brand. Like, like, like I just yeah, – it does yeah, yeah. not stay. Yeah. I don't know what Molly Cunningham's number was. Three? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Like, I can't say with certainty. And I want, right, he was here for seven and a half years. Yeah, so and I don't, I, it, I don't know. I'm telling you, it's a problem. Like, a texture was like, I'm sorry I sent that early. I was like, no, man, it's me. No, it is you. Inarguably. <laughs> I can't you. open, man. What, yeah. What's Josh Allen's number, the quarterback Josh 17. Allen? I was asking Mark, damn it. I was going to say 12. <laughs> he was going to say 12. There you go. I don't know. Marino, you know what number he was? Was he 12? 13. 13, yep. Montana? Joe Montana. Was he 12? 16. Uh, yeah, he was 16. <laughs> what was the number? If you're a great quarterback, it was 12. I'm going 12. And then, right? <laughs> I'm taking Rogers. my chances. Which, terrible, in fairness, man. like, there are some positions you can do that. Like, great offensive lineman, like 75. A good, like, a good like, interior defensive lineman, you got a good chance he's 99. Honestly, 52, a lot of great linebackers. Yeah. Like, war 52. Or 56. They, yeah. Well, yeah. Mike, Sing- Mike, think Mike Singletary is 56? He was, yeah. Yeah. Buckus was 50, I think, right? Yeah. It's, I just, I'm sorry. I, Corners, I, 21. That's a good, yeah. Big right. one. I just don't, um, a lot of times you'll get a good safety. It's a 47. Yeah, John Lynch. John Lynch. Ed Reed was 20. 20 is a popular one. Like I ju- it's weird, but I just I, I, I don't know what my problem is, but I can't. Rod Woodson was 26. That's a pretty popular one. I could do this all day. By the way, Tyler this. is right. The, the the Baltimore 30 for 30 that just came out is very good. It is. Including some great Tony Siragusa stories. I think they built it around him. I agree. And I it agree. was perfect. But the, the Tony Siragusa story about him as a free agent about to sign with Dallas the Oakland. Oakland. It was Oakland, that's right. The Raiders, Wait, yeah, and, Al Davis. And, and Al Davis, that's right, walking away from negotiations with Syracuse over $50,000, and then he signs with Baltimore instead, injures Oakland's quarterback, finds Al Davis in the tunnel, he's like, how about that $50,000? Yep. Love that stuff. And I love stories like that. Saragusa was such a character, man. But, but again, what made that defense so great is that every level of it understood what they were supposed to do. Him there and are, Sam Adams? There are, there are two defenses in my life where it was the perfect combination of personnel and scheme. Yeah. The Bucks defense in, in 02. Yep. For the Tampa 2, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, John Lynch. Like, that was perfect. unreal. You had nowhere to go. And they weren't that far apart. Like the Ravens defense and that Bucks and then defense. The, right, and then the Ravens, three, four, Siragusa, Ray Lewis, yep. the, the entire – like that, that one unbelievable – just – you couldn't do anything. Saragusa and Sam Adams basically operated as like an interior offensive line to clear the path for Ray. Ray Lewis didn't get blocked for years. He, he just could go do what he wanted. It was huge. It's a huge reason that like – I wish there would have been more in there about them wrecking Kyle Bowler. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that name. Just because they were bored. Horrific. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed deciding this kid's a schmuck. Well, he didn't he, come in until a little I know, but like that, that was – I wish there would have been something, at least as background for the kind of intense players that Ray Lewis and Ed Reed were. Yeah. But, like, basically they were mad they drafted him and they didn't like him. 
So they just decided. So they basically were like, we're going to torture this guy in practice, and he basically quit football. The reason Haloti Nada like even got drafted, I'm pretty sure, is like Ray pushing for a similar type to Tony and uh, Sam. Even though Haloti Nada is one of the most athletic men I've ever seen on a football field for how large he was. Yes. Go look up Haloti Nada rugby highlights. Yeah, it's terrifying, and I love Haloti Nada. One of one Vita of my is like favorites. Yes, yes, very comparable player. But no, the thirty for thirty is great. It hit on every angle I thought they could. With that, even what happened with Ray in the trial and everything. I mean, that was huge, obviously, back then. Uh, but, yeah, that team, there's not going to be many like them in, in NFL history. I think Can I tell you something, though? Hmm. I think Brian Billick's a schmuck. I think he <laughs> – And I think he comes across that way. He's there. arrogant. He's yeah. extremely arrogant. But he that's why he worked yeah. for that team. He that's true. He fit in well. Like, there was, he was the perfect personality for that group. But it's weird, though, because I, it feels like at the same time – in those 30 for 30s, especially like the U, what I think what I loved about the U 30 for 30 was the way that they showed that Howard was perfect and this is what he brought. Yeah. And then Jimmy Johnson was perfect after that. This is why he connected with kids in Miami to stop out being kind of a hillbilly yeah, yeah, from Arkansas. Yeah. And then this is why Dennis Erickson worked. Yeah. But then. They didn't really do anything like that with Billick. It wasn't like this is what he brought. Like he just sort of had their bravado, but it was there was never anything about like sort of his expertise in there. I think it was definitely how brash he was, how confident he was. He had guys' backs and and always would speak out in in any scenario. Uh, but he was brought in to be an offensive guru, and he was not by any means for his entire tenure in Baltimore. He was not. Um, but I do think he took on an attitude that was needed for that team. Uh, I, the quote with the Titans is always one yeah. of my favorite ones. You know, you go you go in screaming like a banshee saying, where is the SOB? Like, I love that. That's That defines the whole franchise. That's not just him. So, uh, yeah, no, it's really well done. Highly recommend watching it. Uh, don't think Flacco's going to get his own 30 for 30, even though I would love, you know, I if you would like, Joe, I, w- I would be involved. I would do that. Just do one on the lights going out in the Super Bowl that year. Oh, yeah, and Ray thinking there was some, like, people actually doing that on purpose. That was great. Ugh, man, they were killing the Niners in that game. And then it changed. And it, we sweated it out, but we got it done. But, man, they were killing them. And it just flipped. But people cried about Thinking Crabtree got interfered with on the uh, fade route at the end. That flag might get thrown nowadays. I'm not going to lie. Like I can't remember who was in coverage on that play. It was uh, Jimmy Smith was in coverage on that play. Yeah, people were crying that he got held or something like that because it was like a fade to the back corner. Uh, yeah, there are threw, there threw are players I think of and like from when I when I physically see them in my mind. I first I don't see the numbers, but when I look at them, I'm like that is the perfect looking person for that position. Yeah, I think Ray Lewis is the perfect line, uh, inside linebacker oh, God, I've yeah. ever seen. No, I think from the defines. days of his his cutoff jersey at Miami. Yeah, he just looks like an Adonis chiseled, perfect. And like to me, Simeon Rice is like a four three defensive end. Is like the he, he just is perfect. Yeah, and there are a few guys that are like that, but those two without. I, I think you can feel a lot of things about Ray. And honestly, as a kid, I, I loved him as a player, obviously, sure. but now I. I really don't like him very much, like like as a person in general. Sure. But I could say all that by saying, like, you could feel however you want about the guy. Warren Sapp's the same way. I do think he defined that position, and he's one of the first guys that will ever come to mind. When well, it comes Warren to Sapp was one of the first defensive tackles in, like, a 4-3 that was a pass rusher. Yeah, athletic enough to do I that. I just wouldn't want to be handcuffed to him when he dies. There you go. All right, that will do it for <laughs> us here. On the drive on 93.9 The Ville, back at it tomorrow. See you.